you want to record this? Yeah. Isn't it difficult? You don't have to use it. But like, That's fine. I want, you, I want you to have it. Are you recording now? Yeah, I am. Awesome. So here's the thing. Um, I, uh, I'm i so excited about Beef Bros, and I want to get the word out about it. And I was thinking, like, you know, um, what are some quotes I could get? Who could I get to, like, speak out in favor of Beef Bros? So I did the thing. I emailed Old Gnome. I emailed Whoa. Noam Chomsky. I emailed Noam Chomsky. Yeah, man. Uh, just, just and you know he answered it, or at least he read it. Say again? You know Dude, at least he, he read it. it within an hour. <laughs> within an hour. That's awesome. sent it over the email. I was like, you know, I was really respectful and, um, you know, told him how inspirational um, his work and his writing has been. And I would really love it if you would take a look at this thing. It's like it's a leftist superhero comic. Um, and he wrote back um, and said uh, that he wished he could help but he hasn't read a comic strip in 80 years. <laughs> <laughs> you should put that as a blurb. I know. I think I'm, I'm going I'm to wait a couple of days to see if he changes his mind, and then I'm going to ask if I can just use that. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. You know, That's good. One right? thing I, about, one thing about, I forgot to tell you that. One thing about fucking Chomsky is that he is – he is somebody who seems to be like a, a congenital honest guy as opposed to a congenital liar. He's just like congenitally yeah. honest. You know, yeah. it's like the he opposite can't be of. Bothered to lie. Yeah, he yeah. Bothered, he ain't got he time for that. to obfuscate or <laughs> dance around things. Like, I, it's great. Uh, uh, That's good. Yeah, that, that, was, that was honestly like, and I even went back. I was like, I was like, this is, I was like, I was like, I said, I said, ha, what better time to start? <laughs> and, I said, uh, and I was like, I was like, seriously, thank you for responding. Like the fact that you responded yeah. at all, it gave me like, it made my day. Thank you. Yeah. Have, uh, let me know if you change your mind. It's, you know, one of the things about Chomsky um, and like, I'd never emailed them, but like I, just the idea that he will read every email that he gets and respond to a heavy, you know, sec, sec, you know segment of them. Is pretty awesome, you know. It's like really, the fact that it's really rad. Yeah, it's really, like, I, I kind of wish he wouldn't, because I feel like that guy should have better things to be doing with his life than answering my email to him on a Saturday afternoon. He probably, <laughs> but, he probably, but I love that he did it. Yeah. I love that he, that he must enjoy it, which is also amazing. Right? Yeah, yeah. He, I think he. One of the things that I think that is why you would do something like that is that you find meaning from it. Comrades, you are listening to WHIV LP New Orleans 102.3. This is Good Morning Comrade. Get more information, goodmorningcomrade.com. Today, we have a very special guest. His name is Aubrey Citizen. He has a brand new project that he is announcing today called Beef Bros. What's Beef Bros, Aubrey? Beef Bros. Beef Bros. Thank you for having me, man. Of course. Uh, How you doing, brother? Uh, I'm super stoked to be here, uh, and I am. We're recording this ahead of time, um, so mm-hmm. I am just m- mentally putting myself in the place that I'm gonna be when you're here in this. Yeah, anticipate the future. Stoked. It's not. It's not hard to do. It's <laughs> it's not too far advanced, but it's a little far. It's a little precognition at work, man. Uh, Beef Bros is a leftist superhero comic. I'm not gonna beat around the bush. I'm not gonna give you a complicated answer. It is superheroes done the way we would like superheroes to be done. 
Yeah. And um, so I guess from what I've seen, and it was just uh, probably about, what, six or so pages, mm-hmm. uh, there was essentially like a bunch of cops, you know, beating up, you know, some poor homeless guy. And then uh, these two fellas, Huey and Ajax. Huey and Ajax Beef. Huey Beef and his brother Ajax Beef. Yeah, they are um, very interesting clad individuals. Uh, very, very interesting style they got. I'm loving it. Uh, love those Sasha Banks shades that uh, Huey's wearing. That is that is the genius of my co-creator, Tyrell Cannon, at work, man. He's your author? Um, yeah, you're your yeah. illustrator? Uh, he is. He's my co-creator. He um, he penciled and inked this bad boy. Um, uh-huh. We we first started talking about this. You know, I went to Tyrell, and we um, we have a lot of overlap um, in terms of our interests. Mm-hmm. And we love big, muscly dudes, and mm-hmm. action movies, and pro wrestling, and mm-hmm. kung fu movies, and heavy metal, and <laughs> bodybuilders, and like um, this and, seems to hit all but, of it. Well, that's the thing, man. We we took all the stuff we love, um, but you know something we something about a lot of that entertainment, right? We love superheroes too, but something about superheroes is you know it's tough because the idea of superheroes is amazing, mm-hmm. right? It's these um, incredible individuals, and they're using their awesome abilities to help folks out, right? Mm-hmm. Um, to do the right thing. Um, this is this was the origin of superheroes in the 1940s mm-hmm. these were like working class champions right is how they're typically in their outliers right like batman was always very A rich billionaire, and, yeah yeah like but like if, if you look at the origins of specifically like a superman type character that's really where that um where the genre started um and that changed over the inv- intervening decades you know mm-hmm. and you know the red scare um and uh like put a lot of that the working class leftist tendencies of superheroes, it was forced to sublimate itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and by the time the 80s roll around, um, while the rest, as the rest of the culture was doing, turning towards more of like a law and order centrist point of view, right? You're mm-hmm. watching your um, your dirty Harrys and your death wishes. And, you know, like that's what <laughs> that's what heroes became in the culture. And superheroes followed suit, man. Mm-hmm. There's a reason why you look at 80s superheroes and they're either, you know, almost like proto-fascists, mm-hmm. right? Or they are comments on that, yeah. right? Um, and then as the 90s wear on, it you know you see the same thing happens. Is It's like there's this softening of these kind of root... Um, 90s uh, comics root, were, a, were a, a head trip, weren't they? Say again? 90s comics were a head trip. I mean, it was were. just and like t- Rob Liefeld like, drawing these jacked up dudes. <laughs> you know? Yeah, dude. And I love that stuff. Uh-huh. Um, but, you know... In the 90s, we see superheroes kind of do the same thing that culture did at the, at the time, which was lean fully into this law and order, but like with a yeah. more gentle, like this law and order centrist worldview, but with a more gentle veneer, yeah. right? With like a kinder, um, like more egalitarian veneer, right? Um, and you get to the, the present, and superheroes mm-hmm. are nothing but super cops, man. Yeah. You know, the, if the idea of superheroes was originally to have these individuals who are strong enough to push back in oppressive hierarchies and structures, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's been completely abandoned now when superheroes have, for the most part, been used as 
defenders of that status quo and those same yeah. those same structures and hierarchies. If you look at any of the you know the huge Marvel movies, that that's what that's what these characters are. Yeah, and like the last big, uh, almost like in comics, like a lore. I suppose, like the last big even time this question even came up about whether superheroes were cops or not was uh, was like the Civil War that Marvel did like years and years ago, right? Yeah. And who won? The cops uh, won. Dude, I was an assistant editor on that comic. You were? Yeah, man. Uh, that was, I that... worked on that comic. You worked with, Mil- Mil- with Mark Miller? Yeah, I did. I did. Well, like, I mean, not... Like I was, uh, I was an assistant, so I was supposed to just kind of moving files around and stuff. Uh-huh. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm credited on it. That's that awesome. <laughs> it's yeah, that is awesome. I was proud of it, man. I, I was proud of my work there. And, and that, I mean, again, like uh, people do kind of crap on that one, but I mean, that did. actually did ask that question. It asked the question of like, what is the core? Like, it, it, whether you know all the other stuff aside, you know whether you think it's good or not. It, it did ask an interesting question is like, what is the role of superheroes in this society? Should they be like representatives of the government and should they like rat and snitch on one another? Or should they be actually fighting against the, like the idea of the government and authority? You know, it, that was the it, core concept. It, it was man. And it was a, it was a wild thing to work on too. Um, because looking back, I think what that series was really about was what the nature of the superhero metaphor was going to be. Yeah. Right. Um, and what I mean by that is like in the, the way that, so the conflict that you just described is very much how uh, we're getting into some deep lore comic book stuff here, That's but cool. <laughs> I love it. We did. Right. Um, you know, that is very much the metaphor that the tie-ins and the other books, um, latched onto and pursued. Uh, but the metaphor, the central metaphor that, Miller was using, in my opinion, looking at that stuff, um, was less about a – it was less a Patriot Act metaphor mm-hmm. than it was a gun control metaphor. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it was and, so, and so, like, there were – and so it, it, was, it was this fascinating thing about, like – and this is, this is a perfect example of how powerful superheroes are, right? Like, they speak to, some, they speak to something visceral and primal um, to, in, in all of us, this idea of these, these um, powerful, like – Ubermensch, mm-hmm. right? And and this this was what the um the creators of Superman were influenced by when they created S- Superman. They from that Nietzschean, they were Jewish guys influenced by Nietzschean principles of the Ubermensch, mm-hmm. right? And this is this is a powerful concept and it can be harnessed to powerful ends, but too often it's muddled or it's you know, it, it's outright reactionary a lot right. of times. The stuff that we're we're reading here, it's about beating the shit out of criminal. I, I told you I was going to swear. I blew it. Uh, it's about beating the the tar out of criminals, right? Beating the, <laughs> the, beating the brakes off of them. Um, but <laughs> um, but um, it doesn't actually engage with kind of the possibilities for a better world. That mm-hmm. could be cre- that could be created with this kind of strength and this kind of solidarity and worldview. Well, and like when you think about like the cliche of like Superman or whatever, it's like him saving like you know some you know some woman from a car landing on her or something, or from some thug right. like Spider Man stopping you know some thug from beating up a lady in a back alley, you know, who are trying to come yeah. for a purse or something like that. I mean, that is extreme. That does buy into a lot of the sort of. 
uh, mainstream ideas of what like the actual crimes right. that that people face are. What causes are. crime, right? Yeah. You know, like that. That's a big part of it, I think. You know, and this is another big influence on Beef Bros. Of it. <laughs> kickstarter running right now as we speak yeah where can well, uh, we find more information about that hey that's a great question to ask a guy uh it's aubrey sitterson it's just my name a-u-b-r-e-y-s-i-t-t-e-r-s-o-n.com slash beef bros okay and you can uh, find out more about beef bros uh there but anyway you were making a point <laughs> I was. Uh, One of the big influences on Beef Bros, in addition to, um, you know, like big explosive 80s uh, manga, uh, seinen manga, like JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, right? Like you can tell when you look at those gorgeous Fico Osseo colors. On top of that, on top of that 90s Liefeldian, like big, explosive, muscly action movie feel, um, on top of that, man, we pulled a lot from our love for side-scrolling beat-em-ups. Oh, like the right? video games, like Double Dragon yeah, and stuff, Final of Fight? Course. Oh, my God. Battletoads was one of my favorites. Battletoads. Uh, Battletoads is kind of an outlier because uh, it was a little bit more fantastical. Yeah. But if you're, uh, like Streets of Rage. Oh, yeah. Final Fight, mm-hmm. right? Um, these these games were awesome. <laughs> they were so fun, and the aesthetic was so rad. Yeah. And, it was just it was like a, a pure visceral thrill playing these games. But if you scratch the surface of what these games are about, in Final Fight, which was my favorite one, mm-hmm. it's about the mayor's kid daughter getting kidnapped by this like massive, like evil criminal organization. Right. And then the mayor takes his shirt off, grabs a pipe, and just beats the tar he did the spinning pile driver he was a wrestler yeah, he, he was hilarious um, he, he was he was up. he was a jesse ventura before jesse ventura he was well that was the storyline man he was a former wrestler who became the mayor which is a, that's that's why amazing i love it that's why it's my favorite but like i don't know that's like that to me if you dig into that a little bit, like that's ugly, right? Uh, yeah. It's like this idea that, like, look, the the city is overridden with criminals, and these they they're violent animals, and they have to be beat up by the mayor. Who like, is that's, a wrestler? <laughs> that's that's yeah, like that's that is that's nasty, right? Mm. That's not fun. That's not that it's kind of it's hateful, and it ties into these exact kind of tendencies that have overrun superheroes as well over the past few decades. Yeah. And oh, for sure. And you know, just to get a little bit more into a little bit of of lore from about what 10, 15 years ago, I don't know if you remember, uh, there was the concept of of dark rain uh, from a few years ago too, where like like Norman Osborn in Marvel had sort of like taken over like the uh, the the shield part of um, of the government, yeah. and he was essentially like running the entire show from the government's perspective and like all the heroes were like oh no what do we do here i don't know if you remember that one i do i do i think that was like as i was leaving or like <sighs> soon or like right after i, like I was right like right when i had gotten back into reading comics and i was just like wow i actually think i, th- I actually thought that was pretty interesting yeah um it's i don't think i read i think i, <laughs> I had left by that point so mm-hmm. i didn't read any of that stuff it's all good um but yeah i, I think that that's it speaks to kind of um especially with these long-running universes um, the complexity of like everybody's interlocking metaphors yeah. and what they think these things are about, um, and it's something with Beef Grows that we were, you know, so thrilled about, and um, was very much our plan from the very beginning. Tyrell mm-hmm. and I working on this was 
make it work. Like make the make the politics and make the thematic layering and the metaphors of this thing actually work. Mm-hmm. Um, and not like make a super make something that works in the visceral, exciting way that um, like all of our favorite action movies and video games and um, superhero comics and man- like action manga and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Something that, something that works like that, mm-hmm. but doesn't make you cringe every once in a while because <laughs> of kind of like the underlying assumptions, uh-huh. right? Um, oh, I- and for us, that was, you know, the, the underlying the underlying assumption needed to be then a belief that uh, people, um, the way that people work best, right, isn't in competition, but it's in cooperation. Yeah, right? um, and that that needed to kind of inform um, everything that the Beef Bros, Huey, and Ajax do, um, and not on like a academic, complicated level. These are not like brilliant men. No. <laughs> in the, we're not in reading the, theory the, here. No, they're big beefy himbos, man, and they <laughs> everything they do is based on people working together and assuming that we can all work together and that's what we should be doing. Yeah. And um it all proceeds kind of logically from that, but you know, very simple logic. Yeah. Well, I mean, and again, like like there's a question of uh, you know what, on the other side of uh station ID, we'll talk about this. You were listening to WHIV LP New Orleans 102.3. This is Good Morning Comrade. We have uh, Aubrey Sitterson. Uh we are talking about uh his uh outcoming project uh Beef Bros. Uh, and so we, you just brought up the idea of this not being like a particularly like high-minded, deep theory kind of uh, concept here, um, but but basing it off of the simple idea that people work better when they're working together to help one another rather than to um, essentially, you know, to t- to take one another out. Like, and and essentially that is the core of a lot of like. Very basic, like 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 either leftist or anarchist thought, and it's it it to juxtapose that with a lot of the more complicated sort of theory stuff. I mean, like when you boil things down, this is what it actually means to be in a community with other people. Hundred percent. Uh-huh. Yeah, man. I um I'm, I'm thrilled to hear you. I'm thrilled to hear. Your your take on that as well, because it's it's mine, man. Mm-hmm. It, if you if you look at what we believe, right? Um, if you look at anyone who can reasonably be dis, dis, who might conceivably describe themselves mm-hmm. as a le- as being on the left, right? right. Um, and all of the myriad um, <laughs> faction, internecine conflicts and schisms. There's so much and, stuff to get mad at one another about. There's a lot. There's a lot, and I get it. And it's, <laughs> And, you know, I think that it's only natural because we like – we've gotten to this point because we're right. Uh-huh. And we and we all like being right and we like figuring things out. And, Buddy, I love know, it. Yeah, it's, it's great being right. Uh, I get it. Uh, but if you really boil it all down um, to me – and this was this was a, a big lightning bolt to the brain thing for me. And it was um, – it was reading – he was reading Kropotkin. Okay. <laughs> am I saying it? Am I pronouncing it right? I think so. I don't know, man. Oh, but here's the thing. Um, he talks about how um, we've mis- Darwin's findings have been misappropriated. They've been used in ways that they were not intended, and it's not what those findings actually meant. Yeah. Um, you know, and that struck me as such a powerful 
um, baseline distinction, mm-hmm. right? Um, people, you know, leftists are different because while, you know, other groups um, along the political spectrum believe, you know, our natural state is competition, and we and we need to be fighting with each other, and that's how anything gets accomplished, right? Whether it's wars or market capitalism, right? It's all based on competition, right? Whereas leftists think, well, no, it's cooperative. If you look at what's made humans fit for survival, what's allowed humans to survive, what's allowed animals to survive, fungi to survive, yeah. is their ability to work together mm-hmm. and uh, adaptability. And to Exactly. Mm-hmm. And like anything good that's ever happened, that's where it comes from. Right? Yeah, it's <laughs> so, like the entire Randian idea and ethos is complete and utter BS. Like no right. no single person could ever be the one that that is responsible for like right. like all of the things that that uh, are, are happening inside or even their own like business or company or whatever. Yeah, dude, I was uh, nothing I gets done you. without the worker. Sorry. I love that you brought up um, the the Rand stuff, um, because I was a real, <laughs> um, I was a real lousy teenager, man. Uh, and I was, I was a real, did, did they come any uh, other way? Say again? Did they oh, come yeah, any I other way? Yeah, I would, and I'm being generous to myself. I was, like, I was lousy up until like at least my late twenties. Right. Um, but <laughs> as a teenager specifically, man, I bought in on all that Ayn Rand stuff. Uh-huh. Um, and, and the reason why was because it felt logically consistent to me. Yeah, it's intoxicating. Like hy- it's like a hyper-rational little kid. Um, not a little kid, I was a teenager, right? Uh-huh. It's a hyper-rational teenager. It felt it felt like it was it, it it was the it was the thinking that made logical sense, which was like, listen, if um if capitalism and the markets are good, well then why isn't this this is how it this is what makes sense, right? This right. is this is following everything to its logical extreme. And that's why it's such a alluring thing to like hyper rational teen boys who <laughs> who want this like rigid set worldview to through which to understand everything mm-hmm. and the reason the reason all that stuff is bullshit it's not because it's bad logic it's not because it doesn't make sense it's because it operates off a false premise mm-hmm. and, it's the, and it's the very thing that we're talking about man right exactly and it's a justification for the way the world is and doesn't challenge it in yeah. any meaningful way it basically says exactly. oh the power structures are uh, the way that they are because that's what justice is and yeah. the any deviation from that framework ipso facto is uh, justification for why you're in that position. It's very functionalist to get like, like almost uh, sociological about it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and it's um, <laughs> to bring it back to beef, bros. Because <laughs> reason for the season, baby. Uh, you know, that's that was the starting point for Huey and Ajax and uh-huh. how they view things. And it's and they are um, knives. Uh, they are, uh, but they are, they are. Kind, they are, they are jacked. Strong, and they are generous and they are jacked. They, they are, are jacked. They are huge, brother. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, and that to me is important too because that, uh, you know, for so long in our culture, we have derided the ideas of kindness and generosity and yeah. brotherly love and men being loving towards one another and kind. And we've made a mockery of that. Mm-hmm. And we have... Um, it's been a joke and it's been a sign of weakness. Um, it's become for, feminized in a very, in a very yeah, real way. Yeah. And so to have to 
dudes who are yoked, massive, 80s bodybuilder-looking dudes, to have them espousing these ideals um, is really important. And mm-hmm. it's, it's, my, it's maybe my favorite part about this project, mm-hmm. is, that, like, is this thing that seems like a juxtaposition, but shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it, it, it's, again, it's one of those sort of things that, again, like, it just flies in the face of the established power structures, and that's something that's really kind of cool. Um, because, again, and it, if you, I'm sure you won't mind if I describe this. I mean, like, it, it's, it's six pages um, of essentially a, a couple of cops beating the sh- crap out of a you know, poor homeless fella, um, and then Huey and uh, Ajax... Uh, just coming in and saying, "Hey, you know, just yoke to the yoke to the gills," um, you know, beating up the cops and well, sending them off and flexing to deflect bullets. By the way, which is amazing. And then they just like bring this homeless man home and say, "Hey, you want to hang out? Like, let's be let's be roommates for a little while." You know that kind of shit. Yeah. Well, you know, it's one of my my favorite bits the thing that i wrote uh is a, <laughs> if i could tell you about it you're so uh, modest it's uh, <laughs> uh it's the fact that you know to huey and ajax they're startled as to why this guy is living on the street this doesn't make any sense right the, and they actually say it there's so many empty apartments this doesn't make any sense why are we doing this mm-hmm. and that is you know it's it's almost like looking through like looking through completely innocent eyes and mm-hmm. but just operating from again that core principle we're talking about yeah. you know, you arrive at the things that we believe mm-hmm. right and to and it makes sense it's, mm-hmm. it it only makes sense that oh there's so many places to live um in the meantime live with us we've got room come hang out <laughs> yeah we'll figure it out you know? yeah we'll figure it out and then they do man um it's meant to be aspirational in mm-hmm. a way that i think a lot of this action. Superman never did that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but Superman had more bros over. Batman, Batman has got like sixty-nine rooms in his mansion. Yeah, man. He just brings home one kid that, like, his family got murdered as an acrobat, and that's it. You know, to be fair, he had a series of kids. That's true. That is true. A little weird, but okay. Yeah, I guess, yeah, but but again, like that that is based off of like no assumptions, no like no need to prove anything on the base level. Essentially, it is a um a priori, no, man. Yeah, yeah. A, no assumption, no no presumptions. Uh it's just essentially um humans deserve a certain amount of dignity, period. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's it's not, it's the, not only, so it's, you know, it's a moral, it's a moral compulsion, right? Um, but it, it's a logical compulsion as well. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of, that's kind of the thing that um, I really wanted to illustrate with Beef Bros, mm-hmm. which is that, like, look, you don't, you don't need to know theory. You don't need to know, compl- you know, and like that stuff is important. And it, I don't mean to denigrate. No, of course it. not. Um, but, You're a reader. But, uh, I I've been known to peruse a, mm-hmm. a magazine or two. Uh, the, um, I don't mean to denigrate that stuff, but it's powerful, I think, to recognize that we can get to a place of thinking these things just about thinking about what's just 
started from really really simple places um, of being kind to each other and mm-hmm. knowing that that is you know that's how things work best for everybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's not it's it's not just a moral uh, imperative. It's a logical imperative. Right. It's a, it is a societal imperative. It is a species wide imperative <laughs> that we behave this way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think showing that realization coming from a guys a couple of guys who are <laughs> by all accounts not super complex individuals <laughs> right is powerful I, I think it's great yes it, it, it's very clear that these concepts don't need to and I guess maybe I'm repeating myself, but it, uh, just to kind of like drive that point home, it's very clear that these concepts don't have to be more complicated than they are. Yeah, hundred percent. I think you know, and that's that's really what Beef Bros. That's that's the core of Beef Bros. Man, mm-hmm. and then you know, you should still go contribute on Kickstarter so we can do the rest of it. You can mm-hmm. read the whole thing. <laughs> All right, of I'm, not giving, I'm not giving anything away. You no, know? I mean, <laughs> but spoilers, spoilers, they're not capitalists. Yeah. <laughs> Um, you know, that's really the, the Beef Bros mission, man, mm-hmm. is to explore that idea and hit all, again, hit all of those exciting, um, rousing storytelling beats that you get from this type of entertainment, mm-hmm. um, but oftentimes in service of some rather unsavory ideas. And we're trying to sidestep that. Yeah, of course. And so... Um... Let's uh, do Station ID, and then we can talk a little bit about some of your other work. Uh, you are listening to WHIVLP New Orleans 102.3. Uh, this is Good Morning Comrade. We have Aubrey Citizen joining us on the show. Uh, hey, he has an upcoming um, s- uh, new series called Beef Bros. Uh, he's also the starter uh, running right now. Yeah, First issue. Check it out. Um, some of the other work that he's done. Uh, is one that I really appreciate. And he's written, I mean, what, G.I. Joe, um, several other comics. Uh, but one of the ones that I appreciate that he came came out of probably about a year and a half or so ago was the uh, comic book history of professional wrestling. Do you want to talk a little yeah. bit about um, your background with wrestling and what uh, sort of inspired you to get writing on that? Uh, sure, man. Um, you know, after I, uh, I've been working in wrestling in some capacity, or uh, not anymore, I guess. Um, but you've been <laughs> out. You've been, you're out. You're on the outside. I'm out. I made it. I wrote, I wrote the book. And honestly, I wrote the book. You wrote the I book wrote, on wrestling. I wrote the book on wrestling, and I don't, that's it. That's, that's enough. Uh, no, I love wrestling, uh, but mm-hmm. I don't work in it anymore. Yeah. Uh, I originally, uh, after I left Marvel Comics, where I was an editor, I went to WWE. I worked on their website for a few years, uh, and then I worked freelance for a bunch of web- websites writing about wrestling and covering wrestling, mm-hmm. and then I worked for THQ and 2K, working on the wrestling video, video doing like marketing and stuff for the wrestling video games. Uh, I was just working at wrestling, man, just loving it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, uh, after I left the video game job, I started up a podcast called Straight Shoot, mm-hmm. um, and we chit-chat about wrestling. All yeah. the time, <laughs> uh, new wrestling, old wrestling, all the wrestling. <laughs> and my at the time I was writing GI Joe, and my future, my my now my former editor uh, on the Complex Story Professional Wrestling Project, Patrick Barb. He was a fan of Straight Shoot, and he knew that um, you know Ten Speed, their, the publisher, was going to be putting out. They wanted to put out a book, a, a comic book story of professional wrestling, they, like they'd done for video games mm-hmm. and. 
uh, beer and basketball and some other stuff. They wanted to do one for wrestling, and so he had the bright idea of why don't I call the comic book writer who has a wrestling podcast? Yeah, uh, there you go. He, he gave me a ring. We're off the races, man. Yeah, and it, it really is a truly like it is comprehensive. Uh, it's it's comprehensive, and when I, when I first read it. I was like, there is a lot here. There's a lot in it. And there is also so many side little eddies that you could get into to get more and more and more detail. But that yeah. would be just like that. I mean, that could be almost an entire like series of projects, as I suppose, to get into. There's the a lot individual. of stuff left on the cutting room floor, man. Uh-huh. Um, put, putting together that outline. Um, and, you know, the other thing, too, is I I wanted to make sure that we left. And this is a this is a. A tough thing sometimes is like writing that I learned. Writing nonfiction in comic form is sometimes you have to cut material to make sure that you can depict this material yeah. well. You need right? narrative. And you know, I wanted to make sure that you know my co-creator on that project, Chris Moreno, had all the room he needed to show these larger-than-life figures. Because you know, if you're reading a comic book about professional wrestling, you want to see wrestlers. You want to see a big and looking rad and muscles and cool costumes and big hair and all like everything that comes with wrestling. And, you know, in order to do that, it's a space issue. And so I came in with, you know, reams of text and research and notes and dates to in, try and include into this thing. And then it was a matter of figuring out the most efficient way to do that while leaving room for Chris to shine, which was, yeah. you know, it's a, it's a comic book. Right. And I mean, the art is absolutely amazing. I mean, the guy just nails it when it comes to like drawing uh, like most of those characters. I mean, just unbelievably do- like Chris, well done. Chris is, the, Chris is the best guy for this book. Um, the best guy could have possibly been for this book because he, not only is he a huge wrestling fan, which was crucial, yeah. um, but he's great at, period stuff right mm-hmm. and since we cover everything since we cover wrestling from you know uh the ancient greeks yeah. <laughs> all the way up to the present right the like the then present um it's a few years out of date at this point uh but since we cover every era we need we need somebody who could depict that and even more importantly than that we need somebody who could do characters mm-hmm. who could draw wrestlers that looked like themselves without being white boxed mm-hmm. like overly photo referenced kind of like stiff feeling mm-hmm. um and chris is a genius with that you flip through it and you instantly spot all of like if you have any familiarity with any era of wrestling at all you flip through it and you'll spot faces you know yeah so i guess to sort of like maybe thread this needle a little bit Let's comparisons in terms of because you've worked in both of these worlds professional wrestling and comics uh sort of like similarities and differences and sort of like how they kind of vibe in a sort of general sense and the stories that are told from either yeah that's a great question man Uh, um you know i think the biggest similarity is that um so I think the most common jack thing, jack point, jacked folks, extremely uh, jacked people, jack yoked as hell, jack dudes. Uh, I think you know. So I think the thing that people point out most frequently is that they are um, they are power they are power fantasies and they are morality tales. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's I think that's absolutely true. Um, but I would you know 
tied with that in terms of influence on the forms and how these things work is the fact that they are serialized. Mm-hmm. They are serialized entertainment, and comics have been moving away toward away from that as they move from like as graphic novels become more popular than single issues of comic books. Mm -hmm. Um, But this is still something that's kind of defined the type of narrative structures and rhythms that you see Mm -hmm. in wrestling and comics, which then impacts the type of stories and everything else on down the line. Mm Yeah, and and there's a there's a commonality also in the sort of in the in the larger than lifeness of it, uh, and the serialization to an extent that that's almost like a very ancient form of storytelling, like that goes sure. all the way back to ancient Greece, like like the the wrestling form itself goes all the way back to ancient Greece, but that kind of storytelling for both comics and for wrestling goes back the same way in the in terms of the morality tales. I mean, it goes back yeah. to the Epic of Gilgamesh, for God's sake. I mean, sake. I think. Yeah, I mean, I think there's something that works about it. Mm-hmm. There's something that there's something that you know speaks to kind of your lizard brain mm-hmm. and, and and connects with you. And I think tied in with that is the violence too, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I mean, and, and you can't avoid it. You know, if you talk about and it's it's tough too because um, but we're really we're kind of veering into comics like once. So that's the thing. If you ask the this, the commonalities between wrestling and um, Comics, you know, I would really say what it is is the structure, right? Mm-hmm. Because comics can be about anything. But if you're talking about wrestling and superhero comics, <laughs> then there's this whole other conversation we can have, right? <laughs> let's, and, let's do it. <laughs> and, and that's and that's that I think is kind of what we're leaning into here, mm-hmm. which is that you know, the these big jack dudes, as you have mentioned, <laughs> and yeah. these um, these larger than life, colorful characters with overpowered emotions where everything results in a fight mm-hmm. right and that's and that's the thing that's the thing about wrestling wrestling is a soap opera where there's only one solution to anything ever which is you and me getting in the ring yeah brother. we're rumbling like, brother that's, that's it that's the only way you solve anything at the pay-per-view and, and superheroes superhero stories work the same way right yeah it's like it can be about whatever you want but at the end of the day, the superhero needs to punch the supervillain. Like that's that's what we have to have. It's a requirement of the of the structure and the, the medium or the genre rather. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's a huge similarity between the two. And it's something, man. That's that's kind of our that's that's something we've tapped into with Beef Bros as well, mm-hmm. which is this idea that you know there's something powerful in you know we've we talked previously about how. Um, the core of left a lot of leftist thought is just believing that we can work together and mm-hmm. we can cooperate, and that, that strife and conflict isn't our nat- isn't our our destined state, mm-hmm. right? That we can be better than that. And despite, and it seems like a contradiction um, to then say, oh yeah, well, fighting and struggle <laughs> is awesome, and like it's rousing, and it inspires us, and it. That is a contradiction, man, and I think it's it, it it excites and titillates us because it is a, a an affront to uh-huh. what we know is true, right? And there is some the, and so to take that feeling, right, and to take those um, that juxtaposition and use it in service of what we believe to be true and what um, what we find beautiful and elegant and um, moral, right? Um, is powerful, like mm-hmm. to harness that for something else, right? To harness that primal lizard brain thrill of watching somebody who deserves it 
get punched in the mouth, <laughs> right? <laughs> Who doesn't like that? I love everybody, it. Everybody likes it. It's the best thing, man. Um, so that's very much the idea of Beef Bros, is to take all the stuff that's most effective about superhero mm-hmm. comics and pro wrestling and the, the biggest, most visceral thrill you get from that stuff, um, but without layering in kind of hateful assumptions. Right. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. The the idea is again, like very basic, very people deserve some, some level of material like comfort and, 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 and that's, that's as basic as it gets. Um, (laughs) on the wrestling thing and on the, on the sort of morality play as well. I always found it very interesting. Um, like, I, I grew, I'm a kid. I grew up in the 90s. I think we're around the same age. Um, but I grew up in the 90s, and like there was a lot of um, Stone Cold Steve Austin as like the the um, g- the guy who would like beat up Vince McMahon, who was his boss, and it was like a big yeah. fu to the boss, and that was the whole thing. And it's one of the biggest wrestling angles ever. One of the biggest wrestling it, angles ever. And they repeat it. They, it's, it is, they do it it's, over and over again. It's become a cliche. You know, it's the villainous boss. Like what? Who? What? Do you, One of the things that I find very interesting about that approach is that it's almost in every situation one individual saying F you to the boss and it's not like a large group of people. It's always, when it comes to wrestling, it's always a single guy. Just because of the, the, the way that uh, I mean, I guess the way that maybe, I mean, I don't know if it's a Vince thing or if it's just a, uh, that's the easiest way to tell the story thing when you make it about individuals, but that's just, just how it works. There's very, like, like Stone Cold was a loner, you know, and that's like, I think that's true. I think mm -hmm. that's true, man. I think it's, I think it's definitely part of how wrestling tends to operate in terms of building single stars Mm -hmm. so they can like charge them ahead of each other. So I think there is a structural reason for it. But I think it also, you know, the reason it works so well is because there's a cultural reason for it, which mm-hmm. is that... Individual you know, culture. Yeah, dude. It's a, he's a Stone Cold's a rugged individualist, <laughs> yeah. right? Like, he's not, you know, he's not... He's not whining for he's not whining for things. He's t- he's being a man. And he's standing up to the boss. And right. Punched him and hit the stunner on him. You know, like <laughs> uh, drinking a beer over his corpse. Um, it's you know that's that's why that was so success- um, mm-hmm. successful too. You know, is because there is this there are all these baked in assumptions and you know that's that too is something we're trying to address with beef bros because mm-hmm. here's the thing about Huey beef and Ajax beef they love each other and they're kind and they're generous and like um, have um, charitable estimations of people and they yeah. expect them they they don't expect the best so much as they just assume it uh-huh. they just assume everybody's gonna be kind and good because why wouldn't you uh-huh. and that's powerful and seeing that expressed in big jacked to the Skills, dude. It means, <laughs> it means something, man. It means something to me, at least. It means tons. And uh, yeah, to juxtapose again the the Austin thing and the and everybody else down the line, uh, there was a time I, I remember there was like a union wrestling angle one time, and it was like I think it was like Mick Foley and like Al Snow and a bunch of like lower card guys, and they were like just beaten up and just dispatched within within a very short period of time if i remember correctly yeah man um a thing about you know a thing about professional wrestling is that and i think this is actually why a lot of left-leaning folks dig professional Mm -hmm. wrestling uh is because professional wrestling is at its 
the, the reason why professional wrestling is such a good um, illustration and cartoon of capitalism. <laughs> because it's so capitalist. Well, it's because it, it is so exploitive. Mm -hmm. Exploitation is baked into It's the name of the game. It is. It's a con. It's not, you know, it's it's not it's not a television show. And this is something we talk about in the book too, Capone mm -hmm. Sorry, professional wrestling. Uh, people try and compare wrestling to like, oh look, it's like, you know, it's like prestige TV. It's like a cable drama, but they fight. <laughs> no, it's not. It's 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 not structured like that. What it's structured like is a carnival game that is yes. rigged, and you know it's rigged, but you think that you might be able to beat it, and even <laughs> if you can't beat it, you'll have a good time, but you should give it a shot. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a con. It's a grift, and that that is what's beautiful about wrestling, but also what's like what is mind-numbingly horrible about it, but it's, again, it's... It's a paradox. That, it, it, it is a, it's a complex... Wrestling fandom is a complicated thing, especially when you think about, I mean, I'm not nuts, right? There are a lot of left-leaning folks who like wrestling. Oh, yeah. Right? There's, there's like entire like little subgroups of like yeah. lefty types that just are it like... It seems like you know, a yeah. contradictory thing, yeah. right? Um, but I think it's because it is it is this cartoon. It is just, the, and it, it is this it is, it is this huge um, laughable logical extreme yeah. <laughs> of well, capitalism. And it's, it, it's cathartic watching it. Well, and it's almost like like there are like, especially in the indies, I think there is a lot more of a, 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 a like this guy works, you know, a nine to five, or this gal works nine to five, or this non-binary pal works a nine to five, and then on the weekends they're doing this, you know, crazy wrestling stuff on on the side, and it's like, wow, holy crap! Like they're doing, I mean, you know, th th there's like almost like a, a, a real working classness to that meta story almost, if you know what yeah. I mean. It's a, I mean, it's a labor love film too. Oh yeah, because right? they they're not making tons of money, for sure. Yeah. It's, you know, it's that's why they're working day jobs while they're exactly. doing it. It's, I mean, and it's, it, there's something, there's something, and that's kind it's of- beautiful, because you're just living your dream. There's, there's, there's beauty in that. There's mm -hmm. beauty in someone making art mm -hmm. within inherently exploitive, oppressive structures mm -hmm. and hierarchies i think that's i think that's beautiful no matter what and it's so exaggerated and cartoonish in the case of the professional wrestling industry where the industry itself has become a character in this big soap opera oh yeah right? you know like they play like just like they play up the boss they play up like the idea of like wrestling in this industry you know, that's a it's a thing one <laughs> triple h always says this industry yeah you know well, yeah yeah, and yeah it's because it's become part of this cartoon and this um this exaggerated presentation. It's a character of, in the story. Yeah. Yeah, man. Um, that it's, <laughs> it's somehow comforting, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's, it's, it's somehow comforting to just kind of like stare the lie right in the face. Yeah. Right. Uh, but also inspiring that people can use such like that thing to make something gorgeous and to make something mm -hmm. elegant and beautiful and inspiring, which the best wrestling is. Um, mm -hmm. And man, uh, I'll tell you what else. We're what we're trying to do on Beef Bros. Yeah, is just that. That's what we're trying to do on Beef Bros. Beautiful man. man. Just just is send the whole up, thing up. Is use, is use all these pieces that people 
look down their nose at and you know either think like they they think both they think it's low culture and it's lowbrow and they think it has like reactionary tendencies it's us saying no what's best about that stuff what's best about superheroes what's best about pro wrestling um, bodybuilders um, <laughs> crazy violent anime and manga you know all yeah. uh, side side scroll and beat them up video games what's best of all that stuff can be put to better purposes. Exactly. It's a it's a reframing of yeah, the entire of, of the entire medium, which is great. Exactly. And uh, you gotta love it. <laughs> you have to love it. You gotta you love, must it. love it. <laughs> you gotta respect it. Um, you have to respect it at least. Yeah. Uh, real quick, we'll go to station ID. Uh, you're listening to WHIV LP New Orleans 102.3. We are talking with Aubrey Citizen. Uh, he has the outcoming. Uh, comic with your uh, with your illustrator and inker. What's his name again? I beg your pardon. Co-creator, my co-creator, Tyrell Cannon. Yeah, uh, co-creator on Beef Bros, Beef Leftist Bros. Superheroes on Kickstarter right now. Uh, colors by Fico Osio. Oh the yeah. Artist on No One Left, uh, my artist and co-creator on No One Left to no Fight. No One Left to Fight. Um, letters by Taylor Esposito, my dude who letters everything I do. I love it, and and I got to tell you, this art is fantastic. <laughs> Like these guys, it, did, huh? uh, uh, it, it, it does it for me. It, it, it's just this, uh, these two huge fellas. Um, what is, uh, Huey's just got this big box haircut with these huge glasses. They have this, like, he's got this, like, 1970s, you know, like, like, like get up. And then, uh, I don't know, man. It's just, it's just really interesting art. They are, you know, uh, Tyrell pulled from, uh, we made a Pinterest board, man. Um, <laughs> he's almost like a like like if you took Luke Cage and turned him to thirteen, you know what I mean? Dude, I love hearing that. Oh, that's Power Man and Iron Fist, Heroes mm-hmm. for Hire, Luke Cage, mm-hmm. Danny Rand. I don't know that is kind of a vibe, place. yeah. That's it, that was one of the places we pulled from for this, mm-hmm. right? This idea of one of my favorite the, heroes, by the way, Luke Cage is kind cool. of that guy. It's cool, right? It's he, they're these neighborhood heroes, mm-hmm. right? They're 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 not like out in space or like flying through the skies. They're helping out the community. They're helping out the neighborhood, um, and you know. But of course, they're heroes for hire. So like the whole thing is they're like trying to make money doing it. Like they're <laughs> they're hired. They've hired themselves out to like go around and beat like save people. Which I don't know. It's a complicated thing to get into. Right. Um, <laughs> with Deep Rose, we wanted to we wanted to do our version of that. Man, mm-hmm. we wanted to do our version that kind of hits those notes. Um, but in a way that makes you feel good. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's meant to be aspirational. It's meant to be exciting and gonzo and eye-searing and weird, um, but also hopeful and optimistic. Mm-hmm. Um, and because I think that that's, that's what superheroes do best, is they inspire people. Um, and that's when superheroes are at their most powerful, and that's what we tried to do here, man. Mm-hmm. Um, and that started from the ground up with Tyrell's designs, which are influenced by like all of our favorite um, you know, pro wrestling outfits and mm-hmm. um, manga and anime out like costumes and superhero costumes, and um, we pulled bits I mean, from Ajax all over. is wearing Zubaz singlet. I mean, of course he is. Well, he's got he's got like, pouches too. He's got lots of pouches. He's got pouches. Got, he looks like he's got like uh yeah the 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 the, the belt across his chest. You you want to know what he keeps in those pouches? What's he keep in the pouches? You better hope our Kickstarter gets funded, man. Oh. It's the only way you're going to find out. It's the only way anybody will find out what Ajax has in all of those pouches oh on his God. costume. Is if they go to aubreycitizen.com slash beef bros. Beef bros. And, uh, and, and pledge. Pledge to make it happen. Cool. 
I, I do my cell, man. Oh, hey. Not really. I'm not, I'm not sorry at all. I'm ashamed. Because <laughs> here's the thing, man. We desperately want to do this. And yeah. It, it, it didn't feel like a – to do a book like this that kind of that espouses so many leftist ideals mm-hmm. and then hand over half the rights to a publisher didn't feel right. So to this us. is totally self-published or self-funded. We're doing well. I mean, it's not self-funded. It's, it's well, crowd- crowdfunded. Crowd- I beg your pardon. Fingers crossed. <laughs> um, then that's why you know that's why we're running the the Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, so that Tyrell can um, take the the time necessary to lovingly craft these pages, mm-hmm. so that Fico can color them, so Taylor can uh, letter them. I've mm-hmm. written it already. It's already done. Um, and you the know, whole that's why we say again. The whole series is done. Well, it's it's just one issue. Okay. We're starting with one issue, right? Um, and we're trying we're trying to crowdfund this issue. And here's the thing, man. Here's what's really exciting. Um, if we make a little bit more, if we make our stretch goals, uh, everybody's getting a raise. Mm-hmm. So everybody's gonna get like because for now everybody's doing it like at bargain basement, like mm-hmm. just bare bones pricing, just to get it done. And once we make a little bit more, everybody working on the book gets a raise. And once we make and once we make more than that, we get started on the next issue. Mm-hmm. And so the next goal will be even lower because we'll just be looking to distribute. Um, we're trying to get this thing out there, man, and this is the start. I love and it. If we, get, if we get enough people on board with aspirational, gonzo, uh, weirdo, <laughs> leftist superheroes, uh, we'll keep making them. Mm-hmm. And that's the plan. Cool. Yeah. Well, you got to love it. and you, you must love it. You must love it. Uh, so I guess in the last couple of minutes as we sort of bring it down um, – Kind of like looking forward, I, 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 was, I keep thinking about this, and this might be this might come across as like uh, an interesting question in terms of like the you mentioned the low level sort of like neighborhood uh, kind of concept of beef bros. Is there a potential of a bigger, broader sort of like a more political bent to it in the in the more broad sense? Is that a possibility as well, uh, uh, engaging with mass politics with this kind of a concept? Well, you know, I don't want to. I don't want to spoil anything. Uh, That's what I was going for. <laughs> I wanted spoilers. Because yeah, because we do want to do more. So I don't want to. I don't want to show our hand. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, the idea very much. It's something we've touched on earlier that we were chit chatting about. Is that the Beef Bros operate from a really um, simple mm-hmm. premise, which is that. Human beings are at their best when they cooperate mm-hmm. and when they work together and are kind and generous to each other. Everything spirals out of that. And the the intent is to show, given enough room, is to show how far you can take that mm-hmm. and what the logical extreme of that is. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I don't know. That's, that's as much as an answer as I'll give. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> very canny, very canny. Of yeah, you. man. All right. Well, uh, thank you so much for joining us on Good Thanks Morning for having Comrade. Me, yeah, man. Uh, where can we find more information about uh, what you're up to? Um, you have uh, Kickstarter. Uh, yeah, for... The Kickstarter is the most important thing right now, and it's at aubreysitterson.com, A-B-B-R-E-Y-S-I-T-T-E-R-S-O-N.com. Mm-hmm. You just try and spell it, Google it. There, mm-hmm. I'm the only one. 
uh, slash Beef Bros. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm on all social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff. You can come find me uh, and watch me shill for Beef Bros mm-hmm. for the next 30 days so we can make <laughs> this thing happen. <laughs> Yeah, and yeah, definitely follow. Let you and uh, yeah, Arby, Arby's a big old sweetie. So yeah, definitely, hey. definitely follow that fella. You're you're a sweetie pie too. Thank you yeah, for having me. Of course, brother. Yeah, hell yeah, brother. Hell, amen, brother. Amen, brother. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you can listen to Good Morning Comrade every Tuesday on WHIV FM. Get more information. GoodMorningComrade.com. Uh, thanks, everybody. Love you. Bye bye. <laughs> Pon yo la 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 pon yo